Okay, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. We're talking about the vocal gifts now. Yesterday we talked about prophecy. Today we want to talk about the other two vocal gifts, which is different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Okay, so there are two spiritual gifts that talk about tongues. Different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, you will notice that these are the only two gifts of the Holy Spirit seen in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, nobody spoke in tongues. So tongues is a gift that is unique to the New Testament. And tongues was a sign to the apostles that a person had received the Holy Spirit, was filled with the Holy Spirit. So tongues is a sign that is connected to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because in Cornelius' house, how did Peter and the disciples know for sure that Cornelius and his household had received the Holy Spirit? They say in Acts chapter 10, For they heard them speak with tongues. They heard them speak with tongues and they concluded that Cornelius and his household were born again, they were believers, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So from the day of Pentecost, when the 122 were filled with the Holy Spirit, tongues was a sign that was very common in the early church. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. Everywhere they went, the apostles practiced laying on of hands for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And even the church at Corinth, which Paul planted, was experiencing a revival of the gifts of the Spirit. I wouldn't say revival because revival means once alive, dead, and now alive again. That church was not dead. That church from the beginning was full of the power of God full of the move of the Spirit, people were speaking in tongues and there was such a competition to come on the stage and speak in tongues that Paul had to give them instructions how to use the gifts properly in a congregation, in a Sunday service, in public. Okay? So, what's the definition? The proclaiming in public meeting a message from God in a language not understood by the person giving it. Different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Both of them actually flow together. So I'm going to deal with both of them together. So the definition is this. The proclaiming in public meeting a message from God in a language not understood by the person giving it and also many times by the person receiving it. And that is why the interpretation of tongues flows together with the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. It is a supernatural utterance from God through the Holy Spirit. It is directed through man's spirit and manifests as a spirit language. A divine and spiritual communication that is different from man's non-language. This does not mean that when it is spoken, it will not be understood by someone. Someone can understand it in the congregation at times. Sometimes a tongue spoken 
Although not known to the speaker, is known to the hearer. For example, in the book of Acts chapter 2, when the disciples were out on the streets, 120 of them speaking in tongues, whatever tongues they were speaking, thousands of people came from different parts of the world. And they testified. We hear them speaking. 120 of them are speaking in our language. How many languages were represented? Over 30 languages were mentioned. We heard them speaking in our language the wonderful works of God. So the thousands understood what the 120 were saying. This was a miracle. Because the 120 in the book of Acts chapter 2, they did not understand what they were saying. The 120 disciples had no understanding had no knowledge of what they were saying, except that it was compelled by the Holy Spirit. But the hearers understood. So this was a miracle. This was a supernatural manifestation of God. So sometimes the tongue spoken is understood by the hearer and not by the speaker. Okay? This will be explained later. Now, tongues is the most misunderstood of the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why we need to take time to deal with it. I know that many of you may have questions. At the end, if you have time, I'll let you ask some of the questions. Okay? Now, let's first deal with the questions. Number one, there's a difference between prayer tongues and ministry tongues. There's a difference between prayer tongues and the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is a gift of the Spirit. Prayer tongues is a prayer language that you received when the Holy Spirit filled you. There's a difference. Okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue, he who speaks in a tongue, he who speaks in a tongue. This is referring to prayer language. So you can also say it's private tongues. Private prayer language. He who speaks in a tongue, does not speak to men, but to God. So this is not for public ministry. For example, right now, if I come on stage and I say this, How many of you understood? Not a single person, including me. Right? Because this tongue that I was using right now is for communicating with God. Communing with God, it is not for preaching. It is not for public ministry. Right? So verse 2, Paul says, It is for speaking to God and not unto men, for no one understands Him. However, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. Alright? So that is a private prayer language. Look at verse 3. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So the prophecy is for public ministry. It's for the people who are listening. For example, if I come and say here, and I say this. This morning the Lord spoke to me, a message for all of the Bible school students. And the Lord is saying that He loves you and He has a plan for each and every one of you. How many of you understood? How many of you blessed in your heart? Right? So that is prophecy. It's edification, exhortation, and comfort to all men. Look at verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So this Private prayer language is for yourself. It's for your self-edification. He who prophesies edifies who? 
the church. So it's for blessing the church. Private prayer time is for blessing yourself. Edifying yourself. But a gift of prophecy is for edifying the church. Amen. Look at verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. So Paul is saying, I wish every believer spoke with tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Greater does not mean greater in rank. Greater in authority. Greater doesn't mean more mature, more, more, more better as a Christian. No. The word greater here means the use of the gift is more beneficial. Okay. Remember the first time I spoke in tongues? Did any one of you understand? No. When I released a prophecy, did you understand? So that gift of prophecy is more beneficial to the church in public than private tongues. Did you understand? Look at the verse. Unless, everyone say unless. Indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. Unless there was tongues in public on the stage. And that tongue was interpreted so that we understood the message. Then that works like prophecy. Okay? So, tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. Tongues plus interpretation is the same as prophecy because it brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. What is prophecy? Prophecy is a message from God, right? So there are times God can give a message in tongues to the church. It happens a lot in Nagaland during revival times. There was a message given to the church in tongues. So somebody came and gave a tongues. The Lord is saying, whatever. And then somebody says, I have the interpretation. The Lord showed me just now the meaning. And he comes and releases a message. This is what God is saying to the church. So that tongues and interpretation together equals prophecy. It has the same purpose. Did you follow? So there's a difference between the gift of tongues as a prayer language that is given to every believer. Mark 16, Jesus says, those who believe shall speak in new tongues. That is prayer language. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, prayer language. Verse 4, prayer language. Did you follow? Amen. So, tongues with interpretation comes out as prophecy. But tongues for your personal edification, communing to God is for private prayer. Did you see it? Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Varieties of different kinds of tongues. Now, all of this is in the context of public ministry. As an apostle, are you an apostle for yourself or are you an apostle for the body? Are you a prophet for yourself or for the body? Are you a pastor for yourself or for the body? So all of these are gifts which is for the church. Gifts of healings for the body. Helps for the body. Administrations for the church. Varieties of tongues. This is for the body. So here, 
varieties of tongues is not talking about your private prayer language. In verse 28, varieties of tongues is not referring to prayer language. Okay? Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? What's the correct answer in the context of this verse? No. But the no is referring to prayer language tongues or ministry tongues. Ministry tongues. Not every believer will function in the gift of diverse kinds of tongues with interpretation of tongues. Now a lot of theologians take this verse and say, See, see, see. Do all speak with tongues? Not everyone's supposed to speak with tongues. And they criticize Pentecostals, Charismatics, when we say, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can speak with other tongues. No, they say, no, you cannot, you cannot. Well, let me ask you this question. Why did Paul say, I wish you all spoke with tongues? If it's not possible for every Christian to speak in tongues, right? It's possible for every Christian to speak in tongues. But which tongues? Huh? Prayer language tongues. Amen. But the Bible uses the word tongues here, tongues here, tongues here, tongues here. We get confused. Which tongues? So you have to understand from the text, according to the context and the specific issue that Paul is addressing, to understand which tongues is being referred. Because there are different kinds of tongues. Did you get it? Okay. So, how many kinds of tongues are there? Huh? <laughs> how many kinds of tongues are there? Someone said four. Right? Okay. How many kinds of tongues are there? Three. Okay. How many kinds of tongues? Some people say three, some people say four. Okay, depending on how you interpret some verses. Alright, so let's go on and look into the scriptures. Number one, different kinds of tongues. Number one, prayer language tongues. Mark 16, 17, 18, 19. Believers shall speak in new tongues. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak unto men, but unto God. This all of you have. How many of you speak in tongues? Can I see your hands? Everyone does? Say this you already have. Okay. Now how many of you, when you started praying in tongues, before you came to the school, you did not, but you started praying in tongues. How many of you, when you pray in tongues, you just sense more intimacy with God and you just grew in the things of the Spirit and pray? Can I see your hands? All of you, right? So, we judge a truth by the fruit. We judge a truth by the fruit. How many of you, when you started praying in tongues, you started hating God? Huh? Anyone here? You don't want to read the Bible anymore? You don't want to go to church anymore? How many of you, when you started praying in tongues, you got more sensitive to God and the Holy Spirit? Right? So, can the devil give you a gift to make you love God? Huh? Will Prime Minister Modi ask you to love Pakistan? <laughs> no. The devil does not want to give you any gift 
or make you believe any truth that makes you love God more, depend on God more. Tongues is not of the devil. That theology is of the devil. The theology that says tongues is of the devil is from the devil. We just have to be plain with it. We're not against those people who say that. But those, that theology that says tongues is of the devil has come from the devil. That's the way he operates. Amen. Hallelujah. So, the first is private tongues. Number two. Tongues as a sign. I want to keep it simple. Tongues as a sign. Okay, Acts chapter 2. The 120 disciples, they were speaking in tongues. And the thousands understood what was being said. Even though the 120 were not speaking Greek, they were not speaking Mesopotamian, they were not speaking Egyptian, they were not speaking Persian, they were speaking in tongues. But all the thousands understood and they were shocked. And it became a sign. They said, what is this? What is this? What is this? And that gave opportunity for Peter to stand and say, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now, understand this. They heard the disciples speak the wonderful works of God. The wonderful works of God. That means all of them heard one message. And it was a message pointing to God. Let me ask you this question. Which is the most wonderful work of God? God has done many works, right? He made the sun, the stars, the universe, the animals, the plants, the trees, the birds, the fish in the sea. Which is the most wonderful work of God? Creation or redemption? Which is more beautiful? Creation or redemption? Redemption is a man dying on the cross. Is that beautiful? Creation is seeing the sunset and feeling so romantic. Oh, and you want to hear music. Which is more beautiful? Huh? Redemption. Creation cannot save you. As wonderful as creation is, it cannot forgive you of your sins. As ugly as redemption is, the blood of a man flowing from the cross. Yet, it is the most beautiful work of God. Can you say amen? So they were speaking the wonderful works of God. So what is tongues connected to? Tongues as a sign, what is connected to? Alright, go to Acts chapter 2. Tongues is not only tongues, charismatic, Pentecost. The purpose of tongues, you must understand. Alright? Look at verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed because this was a sign. A sign of the new covenant. A sign of a new era. A sign of the birth of the church. A sign of God's heart. And what is that? So 14, Peter standing up, he begins to preach. Verse 17, he says, God will pour out his spirit in all flesh. And we quote usually verse 17 and 18. But Paul, Peter spoke all the way to verse 21 also. And look at verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why tongues as a sign? 
tongues as a sign is for the purpose of bringing the gospel to unbelievers. It's for the saving of souls. It's God's heart for the unbeliever to come into the kingdom of God. Every tongue, every nation, every tribe shall be saved. Every tongue, every nation, every tribe, multitudes shall be worshiping God before the throne. Amen. Hallelujah. So tongues as a sign was given to reveal God's heart. That every tongue must hear the wonderful works of God. And know the wonderful works of God. And God is willing even to move supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. That if there is someone in the congregation who doesn't understand English. And they just come to the service. There have been times by the move of the Spirit. The speaker is speaking English. And that person is understanding in Angami. It has happened in Nagaland. Understanding in Konyak. Understanding in Nepali. Understanding in Adivasi. And after that, they come up to the, serv- the servant of God and says, When did you learn Adivasi? Huh? I didn't learn Adivasi. I was speaking English. Then how come you were speaking Adivasi? These miracles have happened even recently in church history in Nagaland, in India. So that's tongues as a sign. It happens in different kinds of ways. So sometimes it happens this way. I speak in a language that I know. But the person who is hearing, who does not understand what I am speaking, understands in their language. That's a gift of the Spirit in manifestation. Okay? It also happens this way. I am impressed to say something in tongues, a language I don't know. So I say something in tongues. I have no interpretation. I go back to preaching. But that tongues came in the language of someone in the audience. And they were like, shocked. When did this man learn Chinese? He didn't know Chinese. It's just that the Holy Spirit moved in his spirit with the tongues. And what he spoke was Chinese. The 120 disciples in the book of Acts, they did not speak Arab. They did not know Persian, they did not know Greek. They spoke in tongues. But the others understood it in their language. Did you get it? So this is tongues as a sign to unbelievers. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 22. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Are you there? Therefore tongues are for a sign. Ah, which tongues? Because it's so confusing. Tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Ah, like Acts chapter 2. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Right? Can you see that? Go to the next verse, and then you'll be more confused. Look at verse 23. If the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues... And there come in those who are uninformed of unbelievers. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? Paul said in verse 22, tongues are for a sign to unbelievers, right? Yes or no? But then in verse 23 he says, if you speak with tongues, the unbelievers will say you are out of your mind. What is Paul saying? Is Paul confused? 
Cannot be. It is by the Holy Spirit. So it means this. He's speaking about different kinds of tongues. We just have to understand the context. Right? Look at verse 24. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all. Are they? Paul just said in verse 22, prophesying is not for unbelievers. But now we're saying in verse 24, you can prophesy and an unbeliever will be convicted. Which means you have to understand the specific context Paul is referring to, the specific tongues he's referring to. Tongues here in verse 22 is tongues as a sign for unbelievers. And sometimes it can even be assigned to believers. I've heard testimonies of people rebuking certain people in the congregation who are Christians, who are disobeying God, and the preacher said something in tongues, and it was a message for that person. So that's tongues as a sign. That's number two. Okay? Number three. Romans chapter 8. Tongues as intercession. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The word groanings means deep groanings, deep from within you. Okay, so there are times that you will experience an infirmity. It's not referring to physical weakness. Like sickness is referred to as physical weakness. Here, the weakness is different. What is the weakness? We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That is a weakness. That is an infirmity. Many times you do not know what you should pray for. Manipur and in Manipur, Kuki and Maite fighting. People have prayed for peace, 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 peace. Still no peace. Which means what? There are deeper things in the spirit that need to be dealt with. We do not know what we should pray for. But the Holy Spirit knows. And so, there are times the Holy Spirit can move on people who are yielded. And use them to release deep groanings, deep intercession. Usually with tears and groanings and weeping. And some preachers say it, who have experienced this, it feels like you are giving birth in the Spirit. Travailing in the Spirit is the word they use. Travailing. It's almost like a burden comes upon them. A burden for deep prayer. And they cannot shake off that burden. And they must pray. And they must pray. And they must pray. And so they begin to pray. And as they begin to pray, the Holy Spirit takes over. And they begin to release deep groanings and utterings and crying in the Spirit. And sometimes it can take place for half an hour. Sometimes for ten hours. During times of revival, there were cases where people, even for two or three days, were caught up in this anointing. They were just praying. They could not stop. And so the natural mind cannot understand these things. And so the natural mind says, hey, stop it, stop it. Amen could be, amen could be. The natural mind cannot understand these things. So the natural mind thinks that these young girls have lost their mind. No, they haven't lost their mind. They are in the best place of the mind. 
controlled by the Holy Spirit. But because of the wrong teachings and the condemnation from church leaders, when people experience these things, they go into shame. Because they don't have the understanding of how to deal with this in a time of revival. Every time revival comes, do you know that there is misunderstanding? It's because the natural mind cannot deal with what happens in revival. Revival is always dirty. When I say dirty, I don't mean sinful. When I say dirty, it means people don't understand why, why people are falling. Why people are crying. People don't understand why someone stands up and start doing this in the spirit, in the service. It disturbs the plan of man. It disturbs the flow of the service. It disturbs the order. The preacher is preaching. Somebody is prophesying at the back. People are getting disturbed and people misunderstand and problem happens. This person fights, this person fights, this group fights, this group fights. They criticize, they criticize. And so revival always creates that kind of a situation. How do we deal with revival? You need the wisdom of God. You need the wisdom of men and women of God who understand the ways of God. That's why you need apostles and prophets to steal revival. Every revival in church history has caused problems. The revival did not cause problems. But the people who did not understood created the problems. Now, was Jesus a troublemaker? Or the people who did not understand him caused the trouble? Jesus did not go around preaching trouble. Jesus went preaching the gospel. He went about healing. He went about delivering. The people who did not like what he was preaching caused the problem. Apostles did not go around creating problems. They went preaching the gospel. But with the gospel comes healing, power, deliverance, the work of the Spirit, and it disturbs religious spirits. Every revival in church history has created situations and issues, not by the revival, but because of immature leaders who cannot handle revival. And that's why people start the same thing. Like, we don't want revival because every time revival comes, division comes. But that's such an immature statement. Is revival the will of God? Yes. Do we need to learn to grow to handle revival? Yes. It's about our wisdom growing, our maturity growing, that we can handle revival. In the book of Proverbs it says, much strength comes, much fruit comes by the labor of an ox. Okay? Much fruit comes by the labor of an ox. But... When the ox works, it also creates dirt. If you want to beautify this room, we'll have to bring workers. They will start sanding it. They will start cleaning it. And then they will start painting. Guess what's going to happen? The room is going to be dirty. But not dirty every day. For one week, it'll be dirty. Right? But after that cleaning and that sweeping and everything swept, it'll be a new room. But sometimes people don't want to just go through that one week of dirt and they say, eh, Chardibi, too much work. Let's not take the trouble. See, every move of God will create issues that need to be dealt with. Even so with tongues. Amen? Hallelujah. So, the third is tongues as intercession. Deep groanings. Deep groanings. Tongues as intercession. You read the testimony of certain men and women of God who were used by God as intercessors. Especially those even in prophetic ministry. 
and they will testify about this. How the Spirit of God came upon them and they could not stop praying. And as they were praying, they began to cry. And as they were crying, the Lord showed them a specific person and they were just weeping for that person, weeping for that person until the burden lifted, until their hearts were filled with joy and they knew the prayer has gone through. And then, after a few days, the testimony comes. That brother gave his life to the Lord. The testimony comes. That brother was saved from an accident. This is the art of prayer. You cannot learn prayer unless you do it. This is a type of prayer which charismatics today, I sense, have lost. They've lost. Because we pray according to time. We pray according to the program. We pray in tongues. Okay, let's pray in tongues. Half an hour. Okay, done. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are not praying by the Spirit. See, there are times the Holy Spirit will catch your heart with a burden and you cannot let go. You keep on praying for that same person day after day. That same problem again and again. You may be functioning normally. You may be cooking, going around here and there shopping. But in your heart, that burden is always there. And you're always praying. Lord, I'm praying for that person. And then, as you are praying, your spirit will hit a place of victory. A place of joy. That's when you know your prayer has gone through. The breakthrough has come. Don't look for breakthrough with your eyes. Here, you will sense it. Have you ever prayed in tongues and you just prayed and prayed and you felt like you should pray? You prayed, prayed. And your mouth, you felt like you need to pray, you pray, 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 pray. And then as you're praying, your praying changes to singing and worship. And your prayer changes to hallelujah, hallelujah. Have you ever experienced that? Yes or no? That's when your prayer has gone over to the place of victory. The tongues have progressed over into worship. You know what that means? It means paishe. What's paishe? It means you got it. It means victory. So don't just flow with time. Flow with the spirit. Flow with the spirit. Sometimes it takes 10 minutes. Sometimes it takes 3 hours to get to the place of victory when you're praying for certain things. Amen. Did you get it? Always keep in mind that you must be sensitive and conscious of life. Life. Life, okay? Because that's the way you are being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Life. If you are digging a well, how deep will you dig? Huh? How deep will you dig? 40 feet, 50 feet, how deep? Tell me. You will dig Still you find water. Do you dig because you like to dig? Huh? Do you dig for the sake of digging? The purpose of digging a well is so that you can find water. Right? Sometimes you may find water in 10 feet, sometimes in 20 feet, sometimes in 50 feet. What do you do? You keep on digging till you find water. And when you find water, it means this. Stop digging. You have found the water. Why? Water is life. That's a very simple illustration. So, when you are praying, do you pray just to pray or you pray till you find, till you find what? 
Huh? To define what? Life, right? What is life? The presence, the anointing. When you read the Bible, do you pray? Do you read the Bible? Just to read or do you read to find? Huh? A book with pages and words. Does it have life? This book just by itself, does it have life? If it has, put it here. Put here. Put here also. Put here. Right? This book just by itself has no life. You have to find the life with the help of the Spirit, your heart and faith. And as you meditate, you find the life. Yes or no? Yes. That life is what you need. Just reading this as Bible knowledge is not going to strengthen your faith. Just writing this as Bible knowledge is not going to give you salvation. Do you know that there are lecturers of the Bible in Ivy League universities in America who are not born again? But they know the Bible better than you. But they have no life. The purpose of spending time here is so that you get life. The purpose of prayer is to pray till life, that presence, that peace. Amen. So, understand that disciplines are the doorway to life. Don't just do the disciplines for the sake of doing the disciplines. Alright? So, coming back again to tongues as intercession. Pray till the life comes. Pray till the victory comes. Pray till the note of joy fills your heart. And the four tongues is this. The fourth kind of tongues is tongues with interpretation for public ministry. Tongues with interpretation for public ministry. Topic number 12. Let's go there. The supernatural interpretation or meaning of a gift of tongues by the Holy Spirit given through a person. The purpose is to give an intelligible message through an unintelligible tongue. The purpose of this gift is to edify and build up. So a person who operates in the gift of tongues, diverse kind of tongues, should seek God and pray for the gift of interpretation. Why? Because if you are feeling impressed in your heart to come and give a message in tongues to the church, but there is no interpreter, people are not going to understand you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 6. But now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Paul is saying, if I come to you, like I say, if I come to this class, and I come and give you a message in tongues, and no one interprets, you're not going to benefit. You're going to benefit only when I speak to you by revelation God gave me, by knowledge that I have gained over the years, by prophesying in English to you, or by teaching you in English. Then you will be benefited. Did you follow? That means if you feel that you have this gift, you must pray for the gift of interpretation because this gift cannot operate on its own. This gift needs the gift of interpretation to come along with it. 
So let me give you some truths about this gift. When the message is given in tongues and no interpretation follows, there are two reasons possible. Number one, no one present there has the gift of interpretation. Number two, the speaker is simply magnifying God and no public interpretation is required. A third reason could be the speaker was just speaking from his own flesh. It was not by God. Sometimes it can happen too. Because sometimes people like to bring attention to themselves. Okay, it happens every time. People like to be known to have gifts. Okay? B. The interpretation of tongues can come in two ways. The one interpreting speaks the words. That means the one who speaks the tongue gets the interpretation himself. Okay? And then he releases the interpretation. It can come as words that you sense as you are speaking the tongues. Or number two, when you're speaking the tongues, you may see a vision. You may see a picture. So even that picture is the interpretation of the tongues you just spoke. It can come in those ways. Another thing you understand is this, point number C. Interpretation of tongues requires a measure of faith. Normally, a person receives one or two words at a time. By faith, he must speak those words and then God will give him two or three more and so forth until the message is interpreted. Remember yesterday? I told you all, share what is in your heart. So you share and I said, and? And? And so some of you made more effort to check your heart and then you are able to release more words, right? So, the gift of interpretation of tongues is also a measure of faith. Alright? Now, somebody may come and give a message in tongues and you may have an interpretation. But your interpretation may not be the whole message. It may be just a word. Faith. Courage. So, you come up by faith and you say, faith, courage, and then God gives more words. Alright? So, it requires faith in the operation of it. Now, usually, if you have never flown in this gift in public, it is very unlikely that in a conference of 10,000 people, the Lord will tell you to go up on the pulpit and give a message in tongues. It's unlikely. Now, even though God may tell it to you, the people who organize the conference will not give you the chance. Why? Because people cannot take the risk of putting on the pulpit unknown people to come and give a prophecy to everyone. You follow what I mean, right? Like for example, in our own pulpit here, I will never allow a stranger to come and prophesy. Unless God specifically, supernaturally told me this person. Not even impression. It has to be really supernatural. Or I will allow people only whom I have had confidence in the past. That whatever they have shared was accurate. It was from God. They're people of character. So I will put them up on the pulpit. Following? And that's why the best place to practice your gifts is in the ministry of the body. Don't wait for pulpit. Start practicing. Releasing to people as you. Life groups. Small fellowships. I just fence my heart. You know, when you're joining the ministry, when you pray for people, that's where 
your gifts will grow, will be sharpened in a safe environment. And the fruit is seen, the sharpening is seen, the faithfulness is seen. In time, you will get, the Lord will open the way for you to come and release over 10,000 people. But a lot of people want to go straight to the pulpit. Over 10,000 people. Because the Lord told me. Yeah, the Lord told you, but the Lord didn't tell anyone else in the organizing team. So there's a need for time, patience, and character. And that's why we always encourage people, flow together as a group. Flow together as a family. Practice the gifts together as a church. Because there's safety there. There's protection there. There's oversight there. There's accountability there. There's testimony, witness. Amen? Hallelujah. What this gift is not, this gift is not a translation. What is translation? A translation is exact word by word into another language, including the grammatical terms, right? But this is not translation. This is not translation of tongues. It is interpretation of tongues. That means it's just bringing out the message. It's not word for word. So sometimes the message can be very short. That's it. And the interpretation can be long. Because the interpretation is the message. It's not word by word. Sometimes the, the gift of tongues for public can manifest very long. And the interpretation can be very short. This is what God is saying. God loves you. Right? That first person spoke 10 minutes in tongues. And the interpretation is so short. And we are not able to understand because we are trying to understand with the mind here. It is not translation, it is interpretation. And we say, Amen. Hallelujah. Rules of operation. Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul spoke a lot in tongues. Verse 19. Yet in the church, in public, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. You get that? Now, this has caused confusion even in charismatic churches. So, some people teach in church service, like on Sundays when everyone is gathered, you should not speak in tongues. Speak in tongues only in your bedroom. How many of you have heard that? Right? Now, Paul in verse 19 He's talking about tongues in the context of teaching. Look at verse 19. In the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Obviously, if Paul is on the pulpit and he's speaking to the congregation, I want him to speak in English so that I understand. And Paul also knows, he says, why should I come and speak 10,000 words in tongues if you can't understand? I would rather speak five words in English so that you understand. But this is the context of teaching and ministering and preaching. What was happening in this church at Corinth? What was happening was this. People were so moved by the Spirit. People were always wanting to be recognized that some people came to the pulpit and they spoke in tongues for 10 minutes. And they sat down and nobody had interpretation. And so there was confusion and misunderstanding happening in the church. Okay, 
When a person speaks in tongues from the pulpit without interpretation, it is not appropriate. Because he's speaking edification, it's not a message for the church. But, let's go on. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 26 onwards. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. What was happening here? Everybody wanted to go on the pulpit and say, I have a psalm, I have a song. I have a teaching, I have a tongue, I have a revelation. Have you ever opened up the pulpit for testimony time and then 20 people are in line? So now everyone's looking at the floor because service is going to be very long. And some of those people, 20 testimony, they'll give 30-minute testimony. So the problem was now happening in the service. This is what was happening. They were raising their hands and said, I have a tongue. I have a testimony. I have a psalm. I have a prophecy. So Paul is saying, let all things be done for the good of all. Edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue on the pulpit, let there be two or three at the most. And each in turn, and let one interpret. So public tongues must be interpreted. Did you follow? Verse 28, but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church. If there is no interpreter, don't go up on the pulpit and take time, be silent in church. And let him speak to himself and to God. Ah, did Paul say don't speak in tongues in church service? Come on, because some of you have that question. Did Paul say, don't speak in tongues in church service? No. Paul said, don't speak in tongues on the pulpit if there's no interpretation. Don't speak in tongues for public if there's no interpretation. Right? But by yourself, to God, you can speak in church. Because we're not speaking to the people. Right? So, the point is this. When people pray out loud or sing out loud in the service, they are speaking and singing to God. Right? When you're praying in church, are you praying to the person next to you? Or are you praying to God? In English, you're praying to God, right? So if in tongues you're praying to God in the service, is it wrong or is it okay? Huh? Come on. When you pray in English, are you praying to God? Yes. Now, if I ask you, can you come to the pulpit and pray for the young people? Right? Will you come on the pulpit and pray for the young? So you're praying for them, right? So the young people need to understand what you're saying, right? But if I tell the congregation, oh God, every one of us now, we're going to pray for revival. Am I asking to come to the pulpit? No. Everyone on your own, you pray for revival, right? So you can pray in Garo, you can pray in Nepali, you can pray in English, right? You're praying to God, yes or no? Yes. So, if everyone in the church at the same time pray in tongues and are praying to God, is that forbidden in the Bible? No. Because you're speaking to God. But if I tell you come, I want you to come and pray for missions. And you come on the pulpit and you pray in tongues, everyone will look at you. What is he saying? Right? So, that's what Paul is saying. He's not forbidding tongues in church. 
but the way that you use it. There's nothing wrong in speaking in tongues, singing in tongues in a church service. Because you are not doing it to men, you're doing it unto God. See, when you don't understand properly what Paul is saying, we get confused. And people start accusing and criticizing. Say, you're speaking in tongues in church. You're not supposed to speak in tongues in church. You're supposed to speak only in private and all these things. But Paul is writing this in the context of a church service. Even verse 29, he says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Verse 31, you can all prophesy one by one. Okay? Look at verse 16. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 16. If you bless with the Spirit, what do you mean by blessed with the Spirit? In tongues. You can pray for the food in tongues. Do you know that? That's what Paul is saying. How will he occupy the place of the uninformed, say, Amen, at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? So you can pray for food in tongues. You can give thanks to God in tongues. The only problem is the people who are there will not be able to say Amen. What is Amen? Not only ending of prayer. Amen is, so be it. Amen is, I believe. They cannot say it because they do not know what you said, right? Verse 17, for you indeed give thanks well. You can give thanks in tongues and you give thanks well because it's from the Holy Spirit. But the other people are not edified. So when you're praying for everyone, praying for the food, praying benediction, praying invocation, pray in a language everyone understands. But in the church service, between you and God, and everyone between them and God, can they pray in tongues? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Any questions about tongues? Any questions? The best way to practice interpretation of tongues is this. And I want you to do it right now and then later on. Okay? Go to 1 Corinthians 14 again. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay, are you there? Verse 11. He's talking about tongues, okay, all the way. If I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Talking about tongues, all right, in public. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. All right? So the gifts that you desire should be for the benefit of the church because you love the church. Verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. You get it? So, you begin to ask God, Father, Help me interpret what I am praying. And then what do you do? You pray in tongues for five minutes. And then what do you do? By faith, you take a pen and you write what comes to your heart. And you stop and then you pray in tongues for ten minutes. You're asking the Holy Spirit to teach you how to interpret. And then you stop and you sense your heart what you prayed. And you write down. That's the best way. You have to practice. 
Oral Roberts University was started by Oral Roberts when he was an evangelist with no gift, resources, or plans to build a university. He was in an open grass field with cows, and he was just praying in tongues. And as he was praying in tongues, the interpretation came. What he was praying, he interpreted. And he was shocked with what he interpreted because he was interpreting university, buildings, nations, students from all over the world, science, doctors. He was interpreting. He spoke for a few minutes, then he spoke in English, then he spoke for a few minutes in tongues, then he spoke in English, and he was interpreting what he spoke in tongues. And he wrote it down. And that was the beginning of Oral Roberts University. I have done this myself, where I've prayed in tongues, and I said, all right, Lord, by faith. And I began to write. And the things that I wrote became a prophecy to me, from the Lord. It edified me, encouraged me. I have it written down, even in my Bible. 2000, I can't say this to you. It's for the future. <laughs> but I can see it happening. 2018, when is the evening service? This is what I received while praying in tongues. And I wrote it down as an interpretation. In my other Bible also, I've written down certain things that I prayed in tongues. And as... I wait, no Lord. Or by faith, sometimes I just start. Sometimes I just have a word. I just feel like God is saying, I love you. So I start writing, I love you. And then words come. Words come. I start writing. A flow, right? Out of your belly shall flow. So be sensitive of the flow. The flow of what? Life. Keep on writing till the flow of life. And you'll be surprised sometimes to read what the Lord is speaking back to you through the tongues. It's a prophecy to you. Okay? So, Let's pray for five minutes. Take out your pen and your notebook and be ready. Just to practice. Oh, thank you, Father. Are you ready? Just pray after me and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Activate me. To be able to interpret what I pray in unknown tongues. I'm hungry to learn from you and to interpret, flow in the gifts of the Spirit. So right now as I pray, I ask you to give me the interpretation of what I pray in unknown tongues right now. Okay, go ahead. Start praying for five minutes. Be sensitive to your heart as you're praying. Just pray. Just focus more on releasing the tongues rather than on receiving interpretation. Focus more on praying from your spirit. Don't focus on receiving right now. Just focus on praying. Just begin to write what comes to your heart. Begin to write. Ask for the interpretation. Yeah, just begin to write. By faith. Take your pen. If you're going to just wait for a word, it's not going to come. Take your pen, everyone. Take your pen and just start writing. As you start, it will flow. Just what comes to your heart, begin to write. Begin to write. It doesn't have to be very strong. It doesn't have to be a vision. Whatever first word comes to your heart, just write. Yeah, just, just begin to write. You have to be willing to make mistakes and flow with the Spirit.
So just begin to write. Don't think too much. Let your heart lead. Let your heart lead. What's in your heart? You just write that. Don't think too much. Just begin to write what's in your heart. Oh, Bashto. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for an impartation upon everyone right now. That they will flow in the gift of tongues and interpretation as prophecy right now, Lord. Father, release that upon them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, believe you, take it and just write. Just write, just write, write. Write. Have you all written? What did you write, brother? How was it when you first started? No, you just started with one word. And as you started, you sense a flow. Okay. What you get? Okay, that's good. Anyone else want to share what you wrote? Yeah. Amen. So every one of you got something? I also, I wasn't planning to do it, but after I gave you all, I was just thinking, okay, let me just write something. And the first word that came was, there is an army. So I just felt impressed. I'll just keep on writing. And so this is what the interpretation was of what I was praying. Okay? There is an army I'm raising all over the world. There is a new breed, a new tribe that I'm calling from all over the earth. It's an army of the word and the spirit, an army of willing, laid-down lovers of Jesus who will move in my gifts and power in the last days. And I am raising an army that will destroy the works of darkness, the works of wickedness, the powers of darkness, and set my people free. And, um, and even those from among you, I'm calling you. That means even those from among you here, I'm calling you, teaching you, preparing you to be a part of this army. So that's what the flow was. Okay, so I just wrote as I sensed the flow. Okay, one more lady here. Can just share? Oh, okay, let me share. Okay, so you got your call to be. And, and, okay, wonderful. And, okay. All right. Go ahead. Okay, wonderful. So you can practice this in your own prayer time. And it's, it's the way of learning. I'm, I don't advise you to just take this and go and on the pulpit and say, this is what is for your own personal growth, all right? And the Lord will show you. Sometimes it may be wrong. Sometimes, most times it will be right. And the Lord will show you how to be sensitive. Okay? Meaning of? Be louder. Bridge. What bridge? What's the meaning of bridge? A bridge connects, right? So in the spirit, the bridge simply means relationship, connections. Yeah. In the spirit, that's what it means. Connections, relationships. You saw a bridge during praying in tongues? Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, there is no specific denomination that speak in tongues, don't speak in tongues. Many Baptists speak in tongues. Many Charismatics speak in tongues. So, when we say those who speak in tongues, it is not a denomination. It is a belief of believers who choose to believe in the works of the Spirit. So, across all denominations, you will find tongue talkers. Okay. We can share that later. If it's not specific to the class. 
It is okay. Go ahead. Practice. Yeah. You have to pray, ask the Lord, write. Keep it to yourself. The Lord will bring you the confirmation. At times, the same thing you wrote down, you just keep it. And after two months, a preacher will come and he'll say the same thing to you. Ah, then you will know. That's God confirming to me, teaching me. Sometimes what you wrote down will come to you in a dream or will come to someone. Listen to this. Understand this. If it's from God, it will come to you again and again and again from different sources, different people and to your own heart. It will keep on coming back to you. When it's from God, it's a message. It will keep on coming back to you. Okay. If it's just your own, initially you'll be very excited. Yes, yes, yes. But after two or three weeks, it will just die. So don't ever be very hasty with revelation. Oh, the Lord spoke to me, Pastor, I'm supposed to be prophet to Africa. Sell everything, go to Africa. And then you may just die out there. Because you're not ready to go. People have destroyed their lives, marriages, and even died because they did God's will before God's time. Okay? So you have to wait. Let the Lord teach you. The Holy Spirit will confirm to you what you got, whether it's right or not. Okay. In the end, always build your life on the Word of God. You got some prophecies, you wrote some nice things, wonderful. <laughs> Write it on your book, keep it aside, don't think too much about it. Just walk in the Word. When it's time, the Lord will bring you back to that Word, that prophecy. We don't walk by prophecies. We walk by faith in the Word of God. Can you say Amen? All right. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.